This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we now have at least an initial official 52 asterisk man roster um, for the Green Bay Packers. Perry, what are some initial thoughts that you have? We'll, we'll take a deep dive, but did anything like immediately just surprise you, jump out at you? Well, we also have the practice squad as well. So we've got 16 guys on the practice squad that happened today, Wednesday, September 1st. Um, couple of surprise cuts, um, but I think anyone that was surprising uh, made it back onto the practice squad. So like Ben Braden not making the initial 53 was a little odd. Um, same with maybe a guy like Innes Gaines, who people thought were going to make the fit, had a shot at least to make the 53. Um, and then today, two surprises to not even make the practice squad. The Packers decided not to bring back Reggie Begleton, wide receiver, or Christian Uphoff, which I think was the biggest surprise because everyone at least expected that the safety would make it back onto the team. But um, cut down day is a tough day. Obviously, it's not fun to watch hundreds of guys publicly lose their jobs in that way. But then you get also really exciting, happy stories like Jack Heflin, um, you know, making making the 53 um walk on I think at Iowa undrafted free agent right made made a roster so it's a it's a weird but exciting day yeah Jack Heflin was one of the only I think I did five players that had like a long shot to make the roster for Cheesehead TV in like June or July and Jack was the only one that I got the other one was a punter that is no longer in the league (laughs) Kristen Uphoff was one and then I think like an offensive lineman maybe but yeah Jack Heflin's story is really cool um, I think some of the surprises maybe came down to where we thought the Packers would go either or, and they said both, <laughs> not either yeah. or. So like Jack Heflin, you know, maybe we thought that Tyler Lancaster was going to get the boot and instead they kept both. Same with, you know, Lucas Patrick making the roster and Dom Rennie Jr. And, you know, Royce Newman being a starter. I think Ben Braden was probably the only real surprise as far as cutdowns in that offensive line room. But to me, Maybe the biggest shock as far as like making the roster was Jake Hansen, the backup center slash guard. That was really interesting to me. It felt like we maybe didn't understand the full story there because watching him in preseason, he he had some rough snaps. It looked kind of rough at center there. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we're not scouts. So like you said, maybe we're missing something. I think 
from a roster building perspective, what surprised me more is keeping both him and Lucas Patrick, um, just because keeping two centers while also having other players who can play center that are on the roster as guards. It just feels like a lot of interior. Um, but again, you have to think about it when David Bakhtiari comes back from the pup list, someone is going to get booted from that. So it is also like, if you think about it, an early extra spot for a lineman that may not have made the team otherwise. Yeah, so are we in agreement then that going into week one, it's Elton Jenkins, Lucas Patrick, Josh Myers, Rice Newman, Billy Turner? That's what we think yeah. the line is going to be? Okay. Yeah, which is, again, why it's confusing keeping Lucas Patrick and Jake Hansen, who are neither going to start at center. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think with Lucas Patrick, I know that, you know, he is one of those guys that is versatile. He's like a Lane Taylor, Don Barclay kind of guy that does add to the locker room because you can kind of throw him anywhere in a pinch. But, you know, I'm wondering if it says more about Lucas Patrick or maybe like a John Runyon Jr. Because I think everybody had kind of penciled him in as the starting left guard until Elton Jenkins came back. And clearly the Packers weren't confident enough to pen that in or Sharpie that in. So I think Lucas Patrick kind of gets the look there do you have any thoughts on Dennis Kelly? Just, you know, do you think he's a backup long-term or do you think the Packers give any consideration to starting him at like right tackle when he's healthy and moving Billy Turner? I don't know. It kind of would have to depend when he's healthy and where they see him. We haven't really gotten to see him at all. I don't pretend to be an offensive lineman guru. So I kind of trust what the Packers do right between Lafleur and Senevich. They've done a really good job moving people around and just doing their best to protect Aaron Rodgers with who's available. So, um, I feel fine with who they have on the roster and they have, um, I mean, Goot said today he likes to keep at least nine and we have nine plus a handful on the practice squad. Yeah. So Ben Braden coming back, Cole Van Lannan, the Green Bay native back on the practice squad, um, Jake Capra um, as well. And let's talk about skill position players a little bit, because I think we kind of wondered like what the breakdown would be as far as how many running backs, how many receivers, how many tight ends. And then I think the Packers maybe went the most predictable route in the end and kept three running backs, six wide receivers and four tight ends. Not really any shocks, I think, in that group. No. And that's why, I mean, yesterday was obviously, um, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting and somewhat sad to watch guys get cut, but there weren't any wild out of left field um, decision make like decisions that were made. I think the Packers kept everyone to like that was expected um, over the course of camp. It became clear that like the top three running backs were by far and away better than the bottom two. You know, the Packers retained Patrick Taylor on the practice squad. Dexter Williams is now with the Giants. Um, they did end up keeping six wide receivers, like you said. Malik Taylor was the last one. Um, and then got EQ and Juwan Winfrey back on the practice squad. So it all just feels very um, status quo. I think maybe Dominic Daphne actually making the 53 is a little bit surprising just because he was hurt throughout camp. So we never really got to see what he could do. But I guess they feel like he fits a, a hole that they need. And, you know, he did show up last season when, when Rodgers needed him as well. So... I guess if you want to pick a surprise, that's a small, a small one. Yeah, I think it was friend of the show, Andy Herman, that had mentioned age as a kind of a defining factor. But if you look at Reggie Begleton being 28, you know, as much as 
as it was a surprise that he is that age. I think maybe it makes sense when you think about EQ and John Winfrey also both being 24 and you have more time to develop them and look at them. It's possible Reggie will catch on elsewhere. He did put together a really good last game against Buffalo. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there were maybe some questions like, like Dominique Daphne to me, I think he'll get his looks obviously on offense, but I did wonder if keeping like five edge rushers, five inside linebackers, if some of that was to help out special teams and Maury Straten, because I think Oren Burks will play in the middle of the defense a little bit. He's looked pretty good in preseason, but guys like Ty Summers, Daphne, I think that they're trying to kind of give Drayton some, some vets there because you know, I know he said if they're, if special teams look perfect in the preseason, then that's bad news because you want things to correct. But there's definitely a lot for them to need to do some correcting. So I think, you know, maybe stashing guys in extra spots for that benefit is something yeah. that the Packers considered. I think there's a couple notes here from the linebacker perspective. I don't know if keeping 10 is the norm for the Packers. It feels high. Um, my two initial thoughts from that number are A, they must think that Sidarius might miss more time than they're letting on if they're keeping five um, outside linebackers. And two, we know that Joe Barry is a linebackers guy. That That's where he stems from. So I think he probably puts a lot more stock into the linebacker group than maybe some other defensive coordinators for the Packers have in the past, which I don't think necessarily is a is a bad thing. It's just very different because we all know that inside linebacker has never been a coveted position for the Green Bay Packers. So it'll just be interesting to see what he does with this grouping. But I do agree with you. I think that bottom of the rock, bottom of those group players are are going to be there for special teams, which is good. You want big bodies who can block and tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, we had talked about this, maybe when looking at other 53 man breakdowns kind of around the Packers beat it, it, we all kind of flipped it right where we thought there'd be four inside linebackers and five safeties. So to me, I think that was one of the bigger surprises was the Packers felt confident enough in just rolling out Amos and Savage and then having only Henry Black and Vernon Scott behind them. So to me, you know, I'm thinking that means then Vernon Scott is going to be healthy to start the season, even though I'm not sure. I don't think it looked like he practiced today or he had a no contact injury kind of Jersey on. So yeah, I mean, I, that has to bode well for them. You know, we thought that we would see some of these guys kind of move to IR right away. Dennis Kelly, another candidate there. So the fact that there are players on the roster and the Packers aren't necessarily making any moves has to be a good thing and that they're confident in that group. Yeah. Very happy to see that, um, players are getting healthier as we get closer to the season. Um, obviously David Bakhtiari is not going to be coming back until at least week seven, which is a huge disappointment and a huge loss for the team. You know, he's arguably, arguably the best left tackle in football um, and has been doing it at a high level, protecting Aaron Rodgers for years now. So if you're going to have one player um, who's not going to be on the roster, um, you don't want it to be him, but again, glad that everybody else is going in the right direction. Um, but I do, and I think I tweeted this out, but I do really believe it. Like I, the season is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And especially for the Packers who are expected to make a very deep January slash February push, um, would so much rather have David Bakhtiari back for that than right now. Um, so that's my optimistic spin on this. Yeah. And I mean, even if you look at like the initial 53 man roster as like, not rude, isn't the right word, but like you think about all these guys that maybe will like churn through the roster, like any team's roster in the next couple of days, or, you know, you make a roster 
on Tuesday and then you're cut Wednesday or Thursday to make room for somebody else. Like it's the nature of the business and it's tough. But if you look at even like the Packers Super Bowl team, 2010, 2011 season, you know, they had gone through what, like 70 something players to get to a Super Bowl. So the initial 53 man roster will probably look significantly different in January, February, like you're saying, based on injuries and things alone. Um, So having, you know, I think, you know, maybe this is something we can talk about in general is just the practice squad and looking at some of the names on there. It might've been Zach, but somebody had mentioned that this is one of the deepest practice squads that it feels like we've seen where you had a handful of guys that we all thought were candidates to make the initial 53 and we were lucky to get them back on the practice squad. So I don't know if lucky is the right word. Everyone keeps throwing this around. Like there are very, very few waiver wire pickups. And I feel like everyone views the players on their own team, like higher than the rest of the league does. Matt LaFleur talked about this in his press conference today. Also, like I never expected anybody to get picked up, maybe Kurt Banker. And that's only because other teams are paying more attention to depth at quarterback. Um, So I wasn't necessarily that surprised that the Packers didn't pick anybody up off waivers and none of the Packers players were picked up off waivers. I do agree that it's deep and that the fact that there are so many players that you thought could maybe make the roster bodes well. What I love and I hope that they keep around even after this season is ever since last season with COVID and the expanded practice squads, um, you can actually keep more vets on the practice squad now than you used to be able to. I don't know the exact number. Um, And I think I really appreciate that giving veterans like an extra first of all, an extra shot or an added opportunity, Um, but more so like from a depth perspective, like you said, to have veterans on a practice squad over, you know, undrafted guys or rookies um, just bodes better for, like you said, if a player gets hurt and you have to pull somebody up. I just, I love that change. So I hope the NFL keeps it. Yeah, I do too. I like the expansion too, going from 10 to 16. Lucky, probably not the right word, but I mean, it, it definitely seems like guys like Ben Braden, maybe EQ, um, Innis Gaines, KB and Ento, like there were a bunch of guys that we thought could make that initial 53. So I'll be curious to see Tipa, another one, um, what that call-up process looks like and if some of those guys do find their way onto the active roster in the middle of the season. You hope not because of injuries, yeah. but it does help to have guys that you're comfortable and familiar with knowing that you know if a position is needed you have that do you think there's any consideration going into building an initial 53-man roster where you think about like where you're the deepest or maybe where you're the leanest so like maybe the Packers weren't entirely confident in their inside linebackers that they could have on the practice squad so they kept five on the active roster but they knew they could get a guy like Innes back and feel comfortable with him so they only carried four safeties on the active roster Like, do you think there's anything to be said about that? Or do you think it's just a weird coincidence? I have, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure that they think about it like that, but I'm not inside the building. So maybe, um, we did acquire a punter. Let's talk about the punter. I lied. We didn't, we did acquire someone from outside the building and it (laughs) is a punter and he is from the Rams. Um, and we gave up future seventh round or sixth round 2023 pick for him. My dad was like weirdly pissed off that we gave up another draft pick for a punter. And I was like, dad, it's 2023. Like we're going to get those back in, in comp picks in some capacity. And if you think about it, 
see, this is what I think about. We got a seventh rounder from the Texans for Kadar Holman, and that essentially was just sent away for the punter. So essentially we just swapped Kadar Holman for a punter. Right. And I think that's what's so interesting too, is like, you know, that Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball, like these are guys playing chess. They knew Kadar wasn't going to make the 53. They knew they didn't want him on their practice squad. So they sent him to the Texans, picked up a future pick. And then the Texans didn't want him and the Packers still get to keep that pick. Like yeah. that's how this stuff works. Um, yeah. I d- there's no name pronunciation yet. So probably going to butcher this, but Corey Bajorquez. That's why I didn't even try. <laughs> yeah. So he's the new punter. And I mean, some of, uh, Brian Gudikin's comments were interesting. You know, when they asked him about him, he said, you know, being in Buffalo, like there were cold weather opportunities. So they're confident in the way that he can punt. And obviously we know that it gets pretty cold in green Bay. It is the frozen tundra for a reason. Um, his highlights are like fun as weird as it sounds to get excited about a punter. Like he tackles people out of bounds. He had a 70 yarder, I think a couple weeks ago in the preseason. So I love that you watched punter highlights. Of course I did. It was all over my timeline. I need to go watch them. <laughs> Highly recommend. If you're listening to this, go watch punter highlights. They were fun. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think almost anyone would be an upgrade, unfortunately, from J.K. Scott at this point. So good to see the Packers uh, prioritizing special teams. I know you can scoff and you can laugh at like a punter acquisition, but special teams are legit. And a punter, especially a good or a bad punter can really, really impact a game. Um, I mean, we watched the Jaguars return a kick for a touchdown last season. Like that's on, on a, for a, if a better team did that, you know, they, that could have changed the game that could have won the game. So I don't know. It's exciting. Switch it up. Okay. So keep I, us, I keep us on our toes is really what the Packers front office is doing. That's a good pun you just made there about punting and toes, but I mean, I know you really want to kick the ball with like the top of your foot and not the toes, but all right, I'm I'm going to spring this on you just because I think it's really interesting. And somebody asked me this today, and I didn't necessarily have a good answer. Okay. Um, they said that they thought that J.K. Scott was a scapegoat for special teams, and he really wasn't that bad. And it was like the entire unit's deficiencies that led to him being released. Especially, you know, somebody asked Goody today about. Um, Hunter Bradley and some of his snaps in practice that hit the dirt and were off the mark. So what do you think? I mean, I know one punter isn't going to just change special teams as a whole, but you know, he said that he thinks that the special teams unit isn't necessarily going to look any different under Maury Straiton this year. And that it's just all for face value with JK Scott being released. Um, I think the punter is obviously the most important person on special teams and everything that happens on special teams after the afterwards is determined by the punt so I do feel like it starts there but there's turnover on special teams every season with who they like we just talked about the bottom of the roster right and how how you play on special teams can make or break whether you make the team so I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because the Packers made changes um, for the players who are going to be there you know blocking and tackling on special teams also but I mean to be fair, like J.K. Scott was super inconsistent, and yes, he had some good punts, but he had some really, really bad punts. So I don't think, um, I think it is okay to blame the punter. I think he's the most important. He's the linchpin of the entire special teams unit. Yeah, and I think the I love that we're spending part. this much time on special teams, by the way. <laughs> I know, but like it's it's so fascinating to me. Like Hunter Bradley and J.K. Scott 
lived in a duplex together and they would go outside and practice snapping in their backyard. So when you think about like long-term, like, you know, it's something to ask Mason Crosby too. Like what is a new holder two weeks before the season starts? Like, is there anything that you need to adjust to or the dynamic in that room? But I think that's probably enough time, enough time to be spent on special (laughs) teams. Um, Do you have any final thoughts about the roster as a whole, the practice squad, anything else before we just look straight ahead? Because honestly, this is the last show we're going to do about the roster before we dive into the actual NFL season. I'm so excited. (laughs) That's what what my thoughts are, is that this is it. We're done with the offseason. The offseason is officially over, and next week, well, first of all, we have our live show next week, and second of all... Our next episode is probably going to be, no, it won't be the Saints preview yet, but it'll be a season preview of the game. So, oh, I guess the last piece of news today is that the Saints-Packers game is going to be played in Jacksonville. We did learn that today. It's not going to be a Jerry World, unfortunately. They had to choose a neutral site, and we all know that's not a neutral site for the Packers. Um, So it's going to be in Jacksonville. But my last thoughts on the roster is that, I feel really good about the team. I feel like it is a Super Bowl caliber roster. I was listening to the Mina Kimes show with Lenny this morning, and they were talking about um, cut down day activity. And she, quote, said, the Packers roster is stacked. And that is where I'm leaving us with. I like that. I don't really want to add anything else now. But no, I mean, I agree with you. I think that, you know, you can pinpoint just about every position in the locker room and find a key player that is also uh, an above average, higher level star quality kind of talent, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devonta Adams, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, flipping it, Zedaria Smith, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander. Like we'll see what we have, I guess, at inside linebacker. But other than that, you literally have stars at every single position, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. So yeah. I mean, I think that this roster is honestly a testament to the running it back mantra where even if you talk to a guy like Kevin King, like everybody in the building, and I think that's why it's been so lighthearted. We've talked about the way that the training camp went and the way that the preseason looked and guys are, seem to be having more fun than normal. Like, I think I think players can tell, right? Like you don't go into a Jacksonville locker room and you're like, oh, hell yeah. Like this is it. This is where it's at. No, but you go to Green Bay and you're like, okay, yeah, we we can do this. Well, yeah, I I think anyone that walks into that building knows that the mindset of every single personnel, coach, trainer, player is championship. Um, And I feel like it's like that every year. But like you said, this year, it's like heightened. Especially, I think, because everybody knows that we have to blow it up soon. So you've got to get it in while you can because we don't want to blow this up. But before things take a turn, and we don't want to talk about that, Perry, where can everybody find your work uh, <laughs> and find the podcast uh, for the live show next week? Yeah, we're just ignoring the rest of that. Um, <laughs> we end on Febu- at February 2022. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter, Pax What She Said on Instagram and Twitch next I shouldn't say next. Um, This upcoming Tuesday, I believe it's Tuesday, September 7th, um, we will be live, Pax What She Said Live, at 6 p.m. Lambeau time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. West Coast time, if that's where you're at. (laughs) Uh, Just testing myself on time zones. And um, that will definitely, obviously, be all about the season and looking ahead at this upcoming season because we have real football 
right around the corner. Yeah, if you're in the UK watching, it's past my bedtime. So very sorry about that. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Um, I do some writing for Cheesehead TV. And then Perry and I are both also with the Pack-A-Day podcast crew. We will be at the season opener, September 20th season. I always say that. We'll be at the home opener, <laughs> September 20th at Lambeau Field. If you see us, make sure you come say hi. Can't wait to be back. Um, but yeah, like Perry said, football is basically almost here at this time next week, you will theoretically be watching Thursday night football, the NFL season kickoff. So thank you as always for listening to the show. Go pack, go, go pack, go. Go pack, go.